0: solo. He wasn't prepared, so I want to give him a little bit of time because I love the drums, but he needs a little encouragement. You want to hear some drums? Put your hands together. Sticks, you got something? You got something for me? Now, now do me proud. Do me proud. All right? Look (laughs) at the lights. Yeah. That was awesome. You know we have such uh, such talent on this stage, and sometimes you just don't get them sh- to hear them enough, kind of by themselves. So, uh, whenever you see, hear a guitar solo, you hear a drum solo, or, or the keys, or whatever. Just uh, just know that these are just really, really super talented people that we're blessed to have a part of. Influence Church, Amen, Amen. Amen. I want you to think about this thought: the world is your platform. It is not your neighborhood, alone. It is not the place where you go to school or where you work, alone. The world is literally your platform. Because every person you engage with in the name of Jesus Christ, knows someone who's gonna talk to someone. Every time you do something in social media, you are literally have the potential of touching the entire globe with the power of Almighty God. When you get ready to post something on Facebook that's related to Jesus, pray before you push post. Ask the Spirit of God to take that and touch someone's life, transform their being so that they come to understand something about the the kingdom of Almighty God. When I say the world is your platform, I really do mean it. Remember, we are called to be witnesses. Jesus told us to go into all the world Once the Holy Spirit of God has come upon us, and we will be witnesses. And that word witness is the Greek word martus. It's where we get our word martyr. When Jesus said, you will be my witnesses, he said, you will be my martyrs around the world. Now what a martyr is, is someone who proclaims an unpopular message. Someone who suffers because of that message. And it is Christians who have an unpopular message because it goes counter to the world that we live in. I was reading the testimonies of some Christians from Iraq just recently. One man in a village named Tassim recounted of a 12-year-old girl who, when confronted by members of ISIS to recant Christianity, refused and took a bullet to the head. She's a martyr. She, along with many others. Do you realize that only 5% of the people who proclaim Christ in Iraq, only 5% have bowed their knee to Allah. 95% of the Christians have chosen death, persecution, run out of their homes, ridiculed, their houses and businesses marked for destruction, they're standing strong in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, witness is a choice. You make a choice to say, I will stand for Jesus Christ. And we sometimes fall back in fear and say, well what will they think of me? How will they judge me? Isn't it amazing how how many things we worry about that mean nothing? they have no consequences whatsoever. Recently a report came out last week that apparently members of ISIS along with the Mexican drug cartel have been apprehended at the border. Does that comprehend to you and to us what that means? That means it's not an Iraqi problem. It means the open border made possible by our administration is causing an influx of all kinds of stuff coming into our world that we don't need and we don't want. And we as believers need to stand strong in the name of the Lord, in the the name of God Almighty, and be what God has called us to be. In the book of Matthew chapter 24, listen to what it says. And this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness for a martyr for a martyr, until all nations, and then shall the end come. Acts chapter 1 in verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my martyrs. You shall be my martyrs to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Tammy referred to earlier that we sat down with Congressman Royce. I'm glad to have that Relationship and that friendship with him for so many years that he would see us just at the drop of a hat because of the burden that we felt. Todd Met, our our chamber of commerce president and CEO of Anaheim, is, a, is attends here, and you may remember it was his daughter that was healed of ovarian cancer just a year ago, a little over a year ago, and and he called me and he said, "Phil, we've got to do something." And we sat down and we began to talk to him and. And I knew something good was happening because he was there with one of his um, uh, workers there and the worker got up and left and I thought, well, he must not be interested in Iraqi Christians. And he went out and got his chief of staff, brought her back in. He said, I think you need to hear this. And so the fact that we are able to influence the political realm for the kingdom of God is significant The reason this church is called influence is because we want to influence the influencers for the kingdom of God so that all the world might know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he's coming back one day proclaiming that he is Lord of lords and king of kings. To him be the glory. Amen and amen. Let me remind you that light always overwhelms darkness. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. You don't have to fear darkness because light always will triumph over darkness. In fact, in John's Gospel it says, and the light came into the world, and it says, and it could not, in the Greek it says, could not comprehend it. Could not put it into a category. It was overwhelmed by light. We also know you can't ignore the light. Just walk into a room, someone light a candle, turn on a flashlight, and immediately your eye is drawn to the light. People are drawn to you when you proclaim Jesus. You see, it's only good news, the gospel, if somebody hears it. Did you hear me? It's only good news if someone hears it. If they never hear the gospel, how can it be good news to them? And who are the proclaimers of the good news? We are. As believers, we are the light in this world. And the darkness cannot comprehend it. It cannot overwhelm it. And to keep this in mind. You are the gatekeeper of the heavenly light. He didn't trust it to angels. He entrusted it to you. He entrusted it to you. You and I are the gatekeepers. As I was thinking about that scripture About being witnesses, it took me to the book of Revelation, and I want to just read this to you. And this is all just kind of pre-sermon stuff. Is that okay? All right, because I, I need to just kind of hit a few things, and you know, my sermons are kind of like link sausage. We'll just keep going until we find something that everyone likes. Amen? Okay, look what it says here, and this is Revelation chapter six and verse nine. And it's the cry of the martyrs, the cry of the witnesses. If if Isis came into your neighborhood, what would you do? Would you pay the fine and say, I'll be quietly and not live a life as a Christian, and I'll convert to Islam? Or would you suffer a martyr's death? Revelation chapter six and verse nine says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar, listen to this, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, they were martyred because of the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice. I love heaven because everybody's loud. There's never anybody talking soft religious platitudes. Ever those people who are just super religious? Oh, well, uh, you know God. What? You're like a low talker. Speak up. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord? How long? You see the boldness of these martyrs? We suffered for you, O God. How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? Holy and true, until you judge those and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. You see, God told us in advance, martyrdom is going to be a part of what happens here. See, the servant is not greater than the master, is he? Jesus died, didn't he? And he called us to die. You know, the answer to that question comes in Revelation chapter 20 when there's that scene of the great white throne and all those, uh, all those people who did not confess Christ, they all stand there, the great, the rich, the small, the mighty, the powerful. They're all there before that great white throne judgment and all of them will be swept into an eternal absence of God because they did not hear the good news. Now, let's look in our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 11, and this will be our text for today. Luke chapter 11 and beginning in verse 33. Now, listen to what it says. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it in a secret place. Now, imagine how foolish that would be to turn on your street light and then bag it so no one would see it's there. The analogy and the metaphor is for you and I. Why would you put the light of God inside of you and then not let it out? Why not release the light? Let people see the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might say, well, I don't know how to do that. Try this. Open your mouth. Amen? Amen? It's not that hard. Oh, what if I don't have an answer? Then tell them you don't have an answer. But you'll get one. If nothing else, just carry a Bible with you, a little one, and just say, well, I don't really know the answers. Can I just start reading the gospel of John until we find it? That's, that's good, isn't it? I'll just start reading, and maybe we'll hit that answer, and if not, we'll just go on to the next one. Just keep going, keep going. Look what it says. Reli- you see, nobody puts it in a secret place. You see, we've been told this. Religion is a private matter. That did not come from the Word of God. It did not come from the lips of Jesus. It came from the pit of hell itself. Well, I just don't talk about politics or religion. No, why talk about the two most important things on planet Earth? Let's talk about jet skiing and football instead. Let's neglect the fact that good rulers come from God and bad rulers come from hell. Let's talk about what it means to live out your life in Jesus Christ and tell people you don't have to go to hell. You see, that's the message. And Satan says, oh, no, I don't talk about those two things. When people say that, I jump in both feet into both arenas. Let's talk about politics. Let's talk about politicians who don't love Jesus. Let's talk about them that don't stand for righteousness in our land. You see, sin is a reproach to any people. But righteousness exalts any people in any nation. We have to stand for that. He says, no one puts it under a basket. The only reason you do that is you're embarrassed. I just kind of embarrassed of God. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my father, Jesus said. The converse of that must be true or he wouldn't have said it. But a lampstand that are those who come by may see the light. They may understand. They may discern. The lamp of the body is the eye. Shakespeare said that the, the eyes are the windows of the soul. You can look into someone's eye and you can see something about. It. where do you think Shakespeare got that? You know, he was one of the translators of the King James Bible. A lot of people don't know that. He was one of the ones that helped shape that because he was indeed a, a believer in the Word of God. And when Shakespeare made that sentence, he was bringing it up out of the scripture we're going to look at today, the one that's also found in Matthew. It says here, therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. You ever notice when you're embarrassed, you don't want to look at somebody? You ever notice when something's wrong, you try to, you, you, don't, you can't focus, you just kind of turn around, but you see when there's light and righteousness and a clear conscience, you can look anybody straight in the eye. Now, my dad was a colonel in the Army in military intelligence. Try growing up with that. You know, interrogation day was, was about weekly, right? And he'd always say this to me, look me in the eye and tell me the truth. It's impossible to tell a lie in that situation. I look at him and I go, well, you know, and, no, 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 right here, right here. You know, and after he hung, you know, put me on the rack and electrocuted me and all those other things, I came out a pretty good boy. <laughs> okay. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed. Now, watch this. This is a very interesting scripture. Take heed therefore that the light which is in you is not darkness. What an intriguing scripture. It's almost as if he's saying, if we could use that, uh, that, that analogy of space, we could almost say that you can become like a black hole, that the gravity within is greater than that outside, and it literally is drawing all the light particles in and destroying them or confining them and putting them in a corner. What happens when that light was in you becomes darkness? If your whole body is full of light, having no dark part, then the whole body is full of light. As when the bright shining, and this is the word lightning. He says, your life ought to be like lightning. You ever watch lightning? We don't see it much around here. It doesn't rain enough. We were in Colorado uh, this past week, and we got to see some lightning. And I, I looked at, at my son-in-law I said, what's that? Then this stuff started coming down from the sky, and I surely thought the sprinklers were on. Because it couldn't be rain, could it? We hadn't seen it in so long around here. But like lightning of a lamp gives, and enlightens you. It enlightens you. See, what does the Spirit of God do? He enlightens you. Now, I'm going to take you to a couple of thoughts. Light reveals, write this down, think about it. Light reveals, light attracts, and light annoys. There's nothing more annoying than light when you don't want it. You ever tried to sleep and there's light? You're just annoyed. You get up. I'm hanging something over that window. We stayed in a hotel not too long ago, and they have those room darkening curtains. Don't you love those? You can sleep till Jesus comes back. It's just great, right? But have you ever noticed there's a flaw in every one of them? You can't get the top quite closed. You pull them, and you yank them, and you pull them, and you twist. You push the chair up against it. It doesn't work. Finally, I found the secret to travel. Take a clothespin. You can clip it at the top, and you're good to go. But light can become annoying. Now, let me show you this. From I'm going to take you through those three things in just a moment. But First Peter chapter two, verses nine and ten. Open your Bibles. Take a look there. Turn on your iPad. Turn on your phone. Don't text me. Just go ahead and look. All right. But you say, "I am." Just say it with me. I am. Oh, pitiful! I am. A chosen chosen generation, generation. a royal royal priesthood, priesthood. a holy nation, nation. His his own special people. That's what God said of you. That's what you are. Well, I thought I was just a Christian saved by grace. Who told you that? If that's all the further you got in Scripture and understanding life, then you missed out on everything. You are chosen by Almighty God to proclaim. Look what it says. Proclaim the praises of him who called you where? Out of darkness and transferred you into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, the Scripture says, but now, but now I am a person. I am the people of God who had not obtained mercy before I knew God. I didn't have mercy. I didn't have any mercy coming from God, but all of a sudden when I met him, now I have obtained mercy. Now let's talk about light. Light attracts. When you walk in the spirit of God, you will have people who will be attracted to you. But you have to let them know. You say, well, I can't just, I I don't use, I don't like to speak out and tell people. I just want them to see by my good behavior. You will send people to hell by your good behavior. How shall they hear? How shall they know the gospel unless it is proclaimed? You have to speak the word of God. You say, well, they, they, I'm just like being a good person. So they just think you're a Mormon. Right? What I always hear Mormons, Mormons are the best people in the neighborhood. Great. If you don't open your mouth, they're going to think you're a Mormon. Come on now. That's Right? Open your mouth. Tell them. It says here, we got to, so you're attracted. When you walk in the spirit, people are going to be attracted. You go, what's going on with you? And, and you begin to tell them, well, I just want to tell you, you know, I don't know a lot, but I, I, I met Jesus and it cha- he changed my life. That's all you have to say. They can't refute the experience you had of transformation and how your life is different. But also light reveals. You know, I've found that I look better in a dim room. How about you, huh? I mean, don't put too much light on there. I mean, high-definition cameras are killing us, right? You get to see what a person really looks like with, a, with in HD. But light does what? It reveals things. You turn on the light. You say, well, I can't find it. Well, turn on the light. Isn't that what we say? Turn on the light. Driving down the highway, I can't see. Well, turn on the what? The bright lights. And every year, the lights get better and better. They get clearer and clearer. We begin to understand more and more about what's out there. It begins to reveal more, but it also annoys. See, Christians are supposed to annoy the world a bit. We are. We're supposed to be a little bit annoying. Not intentionally annoying, but we do annoy because people say, well, that's all you believe is just what's in that book. No, I believe this, but I have understanding of other things too. Well, why do you think it has to just be, why do you think you're right? I don't. God told me I was because of this. Well, how do you know other religions aren't right? Okay, well, which one do you want to choose? I mean, not only do they violate basic kind of ethical things that we all understand, but they also violate basic logic, and they don't have the, the history to support what they believe. For example... There is no prophecy in the writings of the Hindus proclaiming and predicting things in history that can be and will be fulfilled, none. There's none, there's none in the Quran. there's none. You cannot validate those uh, r- religious writings by history, by looking ahead. However, you can take the Bible, and there's over 300 prophecies just on Jesus Christ alone, written sometimes as much as 1,000 years before his coming. And you can historically open it up, cross-check it, and go down the road and understand there's something very different about this book, the Bible, than every other book. You can also visit a lot of empty tombs. You can go around and you can visit the tombs of those great leaders that proclaim things and they're still there. But Jesus, when he proclaimed it, he even predicted his own death. They put him in a grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave and you can go there today and find an empty tomb because Jesus is not there. And that's annoying to people. It just annoys them. Annoy somebody today. Psalm 67, not me, somebody else. <laughs> Psalm 67, verses one and two and seven. Just listen to this. God be merciful to us. Just receive that. God be merciful to us. Would you just receive that right now? Some of you feel a little condemned from something in life, but just say, God, just be merciful to me. Forgive me, God, of my sin. Forgive me, God, of my neglect. Forgive me for those moments when I lack character when I lack diligence, just be merciful to me and bless us. And then look at this, and cause your face to shine on us. And then it used a little Hebrew word, It means stop. Think about that for a moment. God, be merciful to me and bless me and cause your face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on the earth. You know what, when you receive the mercy of God, You want to proclaim the message of God, that your mercy, that your blessings may be known in the earth, the salvation among all nations. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. There's coming that day, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But light also gives understanding. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 36 and verse 9. Very short verse, but I want you to mark it, because I'm going to show you some things about this verse that I think are going to be helpful and powerful to you. It simply says, in your light, do we see light. In your light, do we see light. You see, you enter into that first light, his light, by relationship. When you enter into that relationship, in order to have light, that is revelation. So it's relationship and revelation. I have to have the relationship right, then am I, when I'm in his light, I get to understand or Have light. Now watch this. Your history with God, your history with God is made in the secret place. It's not the history of how long you've been a Christian. The clock really starts ticking on that relationship when you're in that secret place with God, when God and God alone is speaking to you. Your history is in the secret place. Light comes after hours of darkness. You can be spending time with God, you can be reading His word, and that might be a f- five minutes, it might be five hours, but you're in the dark, you're trying to understand what is God saying to me, And all of a sudden, you're in relationship, you're in His light, and all of a sudden He gives you light. And the clock of your history begins to tick with God, because you're in that secret place where God and God alone can speak. So light comes after hours of darkness. When you're in His presence. You stay in his presence until God speaks. You don't leave his presence because you've got something on your mind. You say, I need to stay here in this book until God speaks to me. I need to learn his voice. You see, Jesus said, my sheep, they hear my voice and they follow me. I can't follow him until I hear his voice. It's not just about knowing his word, it's about knowing his voice until you know the voice of God so that when you're living out your life and you're trying to make decisions and you're trying to set your plans and set your goals and and try to raise a family and do well in your job, you have to know his voice. My sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me. You see, here's the problem. We stop short on our experience with God because we are so anxious for answers. We have become a people that have an appetite for answers instead of an experience with God. In our school of ministry, many times a question will come up that I I will know the answer to. Sometimes I don't, and I just fake it. But they'll ask a question. But I know if I give them an answer, I've bypassed what God wants to do in their heart. Because, you see, they need to search that thing out. They need to understand that God can be found in the secret place, in the quiet time so that that history with God can begin to tick in their own life. Light brings favor to us all. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 15, look what this says, in the light of the king's face is life. When you look into King Jesus, you see in his face, you see life. You never see death, you see life. And his favor is like a cloud, is like a cloud with a spring or the latter rain. So what is God doing? God is teaching us something here about life and about what God wants to do. Do you want to be a part of the favor of God? Here's what I believe. I believe God is doing something very unique in our world today because prophetically of where we sit. You see, I believe there's some end time things that are happening now that could not have happened before. I think there's a movement happening among people that are pushing aside religion and following Jesus. I think when I, when I see something like happening in Iraq, when 95% of those choose death or leaving their home and being persecuted, I know something is going on. That is a high percentage when only 5%, I believe that the light in you is going to become stronger and the darkness around you is going to become greater. In other words, you're going to be a moving target quicker than you think. But you want to you know that the blessings of God come to those who honor him. God has always honored the man or the woman who honors him. Hosea chapter 3 and verse 5 says, They shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. You see, Hosea said there's coming a great move of God in the latter days. There's coming a time when God's people are going to hear his voice like they haven't heard it before. There's coming something in the latter days you haven't seen in the former days. There's a move of God that's coming as we draw closer and closer to the end of time. And I have no idea when the Lord will return. But I do know this, we're closer than anyone's ever been before. Amen. All right, now look what Hosea says in chapter six and verse three. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of God. Let us know and let us pursue the knowledge of God. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain. Now look at this, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. You see, Hosea understands something about this move of God in the latter days. And He says, let us know and let us pursue the knowledge of God. Get in that quiet place and let God speak to you in, the, in those moments where it seems like everything is dark and all of a sudden the dawn comes. All of a sudden the light breaks through and you begin to say, now I know why I stand for what I stand for. Now I have the proclamation in my heart. Joel chapter 2, verse 23, be glad then, you children of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, oh God blessed you yesterday, God blessed you years ago, and he will cause the rain to come down on you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. God says there's coming a ladder rain. There's coming a move of God. There's coming the Spirit of God on us. And when God begins to do something, be ready. Be ready by pursuing knowledge, by pursuing it. Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the ladder rain. He says, all right, the times begin to move. It's the ladder rain. He says, when you're in the ladder rain, ask for more rain. Now, this is really, really powerful, guys. When you begin to see God move in your life, ask God to give you more. Don't be satisfied with what you have. When the latter rain begins to move and the spirit of God begins to move in your heart, don't go, well, that's nice. No, God, I need more rain in my life. I need more life, more refreshment. I need more of you to come, more, God, more. Never be content with where you are with God. Always seek after God, always pursue him with great, great diligence that you might know. Ask God and the Lord, it says here in Zechariah, will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. To who? To those who ask. You feel the rain of God. We have people who come in here for the first time and they go, you know, there's something here. I sense the spirit of God. We never have to prompt them. Let just say there's something here about the Spirit. And I would say, pursue the Spirit then. Pursue the life of God. Isaiah chapter 43. I'm giving you a lot of scripture. You can go back and watch this on live stream. But look what it says. You are my witnesses, says the Lord. You are my martyrs, says the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord And besides me, there is no savior. Oh, the heavenly father is narrow-minded, isn't he? He believes there's only one way for a person to be right with God. He says, and you, I've chosen. You are my witnesses. You believe, you understand, you know. Follow me. Follow me with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul. Let me give you some life applications. Here's the first one. Light is an invasion into darkness. You know why why we annoy some people? Because we're exposing their deeds. Because we're exposing a life. We sat at a table last night at this wedding where there were at least two families who had lost a loved one in very unfortunate terms. 220 girls in their 20s, they had lost their mother who was murdered. I sat next to another couple, they had lost their son at 20. I don't know the circumstances about it. But as I sat there, I didn't know their spiritual condition, but it didn't matter at that point. They brought it up. And I said, You know, it says that David said of when he lost his son, he said, I can't go to, I, he can't come to me, but I can go to him. And I began to tell them about what the scripture says about hope in Jesus Christ. At the same time, Tammy on the other side was ministering to another woman and ministering gospel. And I'm sitting there going, everybody but the bride and groom's mom and dad, we were ministering to at that table. God was using light to influence and to change. We were invading those areas where the enemy had tried to take away hope. We were invading those areas where the enemy had had planted seeds that were lies and not truth. You can do that every day of your life. And when you do, his light reveals his favor. His light reveals the favor of God. I saw this couple who lost the 20-year-old son. And I saw as I began to disminister to them, I saw their countenance change. The mother at first began to tear up, and as she told me the story, and then as I began to minister the hope that there is in Jesus Christ, you could see her face literally change right there at the table because we are giving hope to the hopeless. We're reminding them of the promises of God, that God is indeed in the business of doing some great things in in this world, and you get to be the bearer of the light. You are the heavenly gatekeeper, if you will, for the kingdom. Let's stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray right now, we pray that your spirit has touched some part of our life, everyone's life today, God. It might be to be a witness. It might be to be a searcher of that truth. It might be to, to just be restored in hope because you've, you've, you're living some hopelessness right now. But don't do that any longer. Just be drawn to the light. Be drawn to Jesus. Let him minister to you right now grace and favor and love. That he loves you irregardless of how you may have feel like you failed him or sinned against him. His grace is more sufficient than all of your sin could ever, ever amount to. Come to Jesus, the light. Come to Jesus, the Savior and the comforter. Come to Jesus and let Jesus just minister grace upon grace to you. If you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, I encourage you right now just to believe on his name, to believe that he died for you, that he was buried, that he rose again, that without him there is no hope, there is no life, there is no living. But with him there is the promise of of eternal life.